keep going to the movies. Keep going. Not because we need to like keep the 1950s alive, but because the watching a movie is better than like watching your TV with your cell phone out and your cell phone ringing and your and your dick in your hand. <laughs> Welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm your professional voiceover artist. You're lucky because on today's episode, it's the movie Annex. A married couple looking for a reason to argue in front of people even when they're home alone. That's cute and fucked up. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. Find other episodes of Landline on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TalkForAliving.com. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. You're listening to Landline. All right, we're rolling. Bring it on. Welcome, everybody, to the movie Annex on Landline Podcast. I'm your host, Alex McKay, here with my lovely wife. And co-host, Anna McKay. Welcome back, Anna. Thank you. It's good to be here. Have What have you been doing since the last podcast? Have you accomplished anything with your life? Well, let's see. What were we talking about? The lobster last time? The In lo- that time, I have corralled 15 cats, also known as architecture graduate students, uh, into building something that they designed in the fair neighborhood of East Harlem in New York City, New York. And uh, just a few days ago, I celebrated my glorious return to Brown House in Watertown, Vermont, or wherever. Watertown, Massachusetts, wherever I live. <laughs> That's right. Keep telling yourself it's Vermont. That's all we need from you. Yeah, because it's just, never mind. I'm not going to go there. But please, the podcast wants to know. It's not green yeah. enough for you? It's like Vermont, Massachusetts, what's the difference? <laughs> well, go fuck yourself, as yeah. they say in the movies. What's the movie scene in East Harlem? Honestly, I didn't see a single GD movie all summer. Um, the New York movie scene is awesome, I'm sure, but I just couldn't get my act together. I'm hoping that perhaps in the fall, me and you can hit up Metrograph, which is this cool boutique movie theater I discovered on the Lower East Side, but never actually made it to. Did you see any movie posters this summer? Well, in East Harlem, there tends to be movie posters for movies that came out like three weeks ago. It's just sort of the way it goes. You know, usually it's, oh, this is coming. But in East Harlem, it's like Independence Day, like mid-August. With all due respect, I think they're last on the line of freshening up with, with new ads and things. And Independence Day is a movie you and I just never even talked about or saw or like were interested in did we do we miss the boat on that how did it do the the word on the street the word on like the the gawker headlines that no longer exist is that um the hollywood had a bad summer right everything like that ellen as a yeah that ellen degeneres movie ellen that ellen degeneres animated joint cleared the house but it was like everyone hated ghostbusters or didn't care or got in a fight about gender equality when they mentioned it and then no one went to independence day what was the story 
listen, the future is female. That much is clear. But let's stop remaking sh- movies that were good. Let's get some new movies going. Well, we saw a new movie on uh, Monday night. So let's talk about it. Great segue. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so... It was Monday night, Labor Day weekend. We had escaped a storm. Labor Day. It was Labor Day. It was officially Labor Day. And we were back from a little vacation at the summer house. We had escaped Hurricane Hermine. Tropical storm warning Hermine, you mean. Post-tropical storm (laughs) Hermine. That's what she went out as. And uh, we were having a little minor case of the Sundays. Which was, what are we doing with our lives? Why do we live here? No, that was Tuesday. Oh, that was Tuesday. Monday was productive and great. Okay, but so then why did we go to the movies? Because we wanted to do another movie annex. That's right. And what, you know, but like for other than the podcast, we went because we hadn't been all summer, right? I mean, that was the major impetus behind it. Yeah, and maybe it's a way of ushering in a cinema heavy fall which is always my favorite season for the cinema late fall more specifically but um might as well cut our teeth and and dive in early yeah it's becoming like award season not in terms of the awards happening but all the movies that are coming out are now going to be oscar contenders so get your meryl streeps on get your steve carell and steal yourself against child molestation movies because they com- they're coming. Is it a big season for that? Have you seen? Well, last year was. So you just <laughs> assume? Can only assume. It's another El Nino year for child molesters? Well, it it makes for great great screen time. So, yeah, there's nothing anyone wants to go <laughs> s- pay 11 bucks to see more. Um, you know, could they have like a scaled ticket price based on the content of a movie? Like, oh, I heard this movie's really good, but it's about child molesters, so I don't really want to see it. But if it's only five bucks, I guess I will. Versus, like, this movie is going to be like a badass battle scene between spaceships in, you know, an interstellar post apocalyptic universe, and that I'll pay like $18 to see. Well, that's really interesting. I think that the art of billing a movie before you go see it is is a tough one and i'm thinking specifically about that movie room i don't know if you paid attention to that last year but brie larson won the best actress award for her tour de force performance in it <clears throat> ding 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 first time i said tour de force this podcast anyway um Drink. I, I yeah i had avoided seeing it for such a long time because i thought it was about this mom and a kid like trapped in a room for the whole movie. And I was like, why the, like, that sounds awful. I don't really want to watch that. And granted a large portion of the movie was that, but certainly not all of it. And it was much easier to watch than I thought it was going to be. And I was like, it got me reflecting on, Hey, like people talked about this too much and scared me away from it. And, and what an interesting phenomenon in movie going is like consuming the outside you know feedback from from it before you make up the decision yourself well so my mom won't see violent movies so like she never saw saving private ryan she never saw probably no country for old men she never saw a lot of movies that have been you know internationally acclaimed as the best of the year um the last 
10, 15, 20 years. She just doesn't like violence. I, on the other hand, am someone who don't like rooms where somebody's trapped in a house the entire time. Not only because I'm afraid of getting trapped in the house. To the contrary, I'll spend an entire day in the house, like, watching a golf tournament and, like, ordering food and have a really pleasant day. But if you tell me that I'm going to have to be in the same set, in the same space, with, like, the same clothing and the same sort of driving force behind the characters, which is how are we going to escape this or how are we going to do this, it's just a little bit boring for me. I like to be, when I put it in an uncomfortable position in a movie, I like to be able to get out of it. Like, I like to... In a scene. Like, in the course of a few scenes, you're out of it, is what you mean. Yeah, or just in general. Like, okay, here's the scene where there's a giant battle on the beach in Normandy, and it's terrible, and that guy's leg got blown off, and it's so loud, and it's like the camera's shaking all over. But then there's gonna there's gonna be the obligatory next morning where they're like all smoking cigarettes and looking at a map and talking about how they lost some great men but they have to fight on like that's something you can look forward to in a classic Hollywood script when you're like and now like this movie's gonna be about how like Melissa's trapped inside the closet but the closet is actually the entire house and I gotta watch that for 81 minutes I'm a little bit turned off from the start so I agree with you I'm just uh a person who escapes movies where it's all about escaping. In contrast, the movie we went and saw uh, on Monday was ripe with wide open spaces. It was called Hell or High Water, and it's a good old-fashioned Texas outlaw movie. And besides the human stars of the show, I'd say the, the scenery of West Texas played a big role um, in the film. So... No room-like scenarios for us in this in this one. It's true. They're great changes of scenes at all times. So we went to the movie on Memorial Day. We were excited to get a Labor sum- Day. Labor Day to get a summer movie in before the summer was over. We cooked lobsters beforehand. I cooked lobsters and served them to us on the picnic table. Um, didn't think about how we watched the lobster last time, but I did. I didn't bring it up. Uh, delicious lobster, soft shells from Maine, pound and a quarter, six ninety nine a pound. Do you, does this mean we have to eat cowboys before we go to our next movie? <laughs> That's yeah, or money, I guess. Um, and then we and a little corn. Terrible season for corn in the Northeast. Severe drought. Great tomatoes. A lot of concentrated flavor. And then we got that all done. Um. And went to the landmark theaters in Waltham, Mass., the former watch capital of the world. And landmark, um, that's kind of where I want to start. We've been there. Tell, just paint the, repaint the picture of the landmark for those who, ha- who didn't chime into earlier movie annexes. Landmark was the theater we went to where the air conditioning died, which I think was the lobster. It was. So, yeah. Um, as a narrative propellant in this show, we're thinking of seeing different movies at different theaters, but for the sake of convenience this time around, we just bit the bullet and went back to old stomping grounds. Uh, the landmark, I think they charge $15 a ticket there. 11? No, 15. I paid 11. Oh, we came in at different times. Maybe All right, maybe I, maybe they. Oh, did you have a student ID? I didn't. No. Huh. Maybe it was happy hour was started. Maybe the one-eyed 
skimp clerk had a crush on you. Okay, let's talk about the movie theater staff for a second. I mean, I have so much on the landmark. We'll probably never get to the movie, and that's how the way... Surprise, we never will. (laughs) So, I just got the Wikipedia page here for Landmark. It's the largest theater chain dedicated to exhibiting and marketing independent and foreign films. So, we like that. Showcases a variety of programming ranging from independent to foreign, foreign to 3D to mainstream. Founded in 1970. That's pretty much everything, guys. Founded in 1974, grown to 56 theaters, 268 screens, 27 markets. Known for its historic theaters such as the Tivoli in St. Louis, the Inwood in Dallas, and the Oriental in Milwaukee. Cool. And the Landmark in Waltham. And its newer theaters, including the Landmark in L.A., the Sunshine in New York City, East Street Cinema, and the Landmark Theater Greenwood Village in Denver. It's owned by, um, or part of part of the. It's part of a Wagner Cuban company, which is Mark Cuban and Todd Wagner, and it includes theatrical and home entertainment distribution company Magnolia Pictures. Huh. Um, blah blah blah. Production company Twenty Nine Twenty Nine Productions and High Definition ASX TV and HD Net Movies. So what this means is that the landmark vertically integrated. It's integrated in this giant part. You know, this giant industry company that, that produces movies, that distributes movies, that um, is filming the movies themselves. And maybe even real estate. It'd be interesting to know if they own these properties. So the theater we went to, how many square feet is that? Um, the whole building. 5,000, 6,000, 13,000. I don't know. It's huge. Okay. And, and how much are you paying a square foot? It's like 20,000 square feet. All right. Let's say it's 20,000. And how much are we paying a square foot to, to own that building? In Waltham? I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. I know what it would take to build it per square foot. Well, my point is this. There were 268 seats in the theater and 25. You said 284. 284. So 25 over 284, it was 8.8% occupied. There were 17 people in the theater. For, there were some people behind that came in late. Okay. Anyways, less than 10% occupied. And it's the same 14 people that came to The Lobster and us. And I just don't – like it's a huge space. It's got all of this – real estate that it owns and this is the movie that's going to get nominated for six oscars eight oscars like we know that we're going to see probably three best actor supporting actor like well maybe jeff bridges will probably be is he a he was a he was the main guy i would say i would say that ben foster was supporting so ben foster is supporting and then chris pine and jeff bridges as lead actor and then there'll be best writing best directing Probably best cinematography, best, you know, sound editing or something like that, or costumes, maybe not. But it's like, let's say it's going to get five plus Oscar nods. It's Labor Day weekend. <laughs> There's 17 people in the theater. So my it's sort of perfect. <laughs> so so does. Yes. Everyone's like, well, everyone's watching it on home. You, you know, I this movie would suck. On your on your even if you have a big ass TV, keep going to the movies. Keep going. Not because we need to like keep the 1950s alive, but because the watching a movie is better than like watching your TV with your cell phone out and your cell phone ringing and your and your dick in your hand. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's true. 
Get get your dick out of your hand and put your dick in your hand in the movies. Put I mean, your dick hands in some popcorn and start having some fun. Live a little. You could have easily had your hands on your dick in this movie theater. That's true. Um. So that's the first thing. And then you get in, you pay the ticket. Um. Obviously a little understaffed. You were speaking about the one-eyed monster that was taking the tickets. <laughs> the one-eyed gimp. Then I go to the snack bar. It wasn't understaffed. Why? Yeah, because, like, there was one person in line at a time. and Well, the days are gone where one person sells your ticket and the other rips it. At, at yeah, there wasn't like even this. somebody you just, ripping. You just sell and rip. Sell and rip, sell and rip, sell and rip. And that's the one job, right? So they, they're, they're escaping 12. Sometimes there's a ripper there, for what it's worth. Right, in the hot times, which obviously we, we weren't at. Which obviously Labor Day, Monday at 7 p.m. wasn't for some reason, but I digress. So I did find a nice locally made sorbet ice cream company that was in the freezer, and we got a six or eight ounce cup of mango sorbet from the um, ice cream. Lizzie's Ice Cream Company. Yeah, Lizzie's local ice cream. So that was nice, Um, and we didn't have to get like the, the frozen package of dibs that if you ever want to, if you ever want to be surprised by the caloric um, content content of a item, food item, seemingly air like item, go dibs. It's like it's forty three hundred calories in one of those containers. Ew. It's like outrageous. Oh, oh, the dibs are like the almond joy bites that are frozen. Exactly. Okay. So then, um, whatever, we settle into our seats. We run into someone from school that is that I'm waiting to get a proposal back from, and she hadn't emailed me in six weeks. So we, it was serendipitous that um, she's an administrator, that she saw me there. She started having a meeting with me across three strangers um, in between seats. But Well, before Alex arrived in the theater, I had some alone time with the 65-year-old couple behind me. What's the deal with old people? We can't wait to hear about it. You have the floor. I just... Why do people eat with their mouth open? Why would anyone act that way? This is, this is existential crisis question number one. Existential crisis question number two is, how did popcorn become... The movie food, like I know it's cheap to make and it's festive, but there is honestly not a louder food to consume that I can think of, except maybe cereal before the milk melts your cereal bites a little bit. But the couple behind me, and I I was so just transfixed by the sounds of their mastications from four rows up that I in fact put my voice memo on and got a voice memo of them and I'm gonna try to get Alex to insert it um in the post uh, whatever in post as they say Yeah, we'll insert it. I love inserting things in post. Yeah. So this couple, they would shake the bag. Shake, 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 shake. And then that you would hear their of their hands like 
digging around in their giant bag of popcorn and then they would shove it in their mouths and they would both just chomp their popcorn and discuss how Jenny's boy took Latin over the summer. And it's like he's a new person. He's just so focused at school now. Wow. Cutting edge Latin. He's going to go far with that. Why would he take Latin? I don't know, but he got advanced placement in the fall. It's like, oh, shut up. Like, eat your popcorn and then talk to each other. I really don't care the the content of their conversation. I know I sound mean. I do care that it was horribly boring, but that's their prerogative. But the talking and eating is a distinctly New England thing. And so is chewing with your mouth open refined people I know and I will not name names chomp through their food like with bits of it flying out and I'm like yo let's get a little southern charm up at this dinner table shut your mouth while you're eating well we're just in a hurry to finish it so that we can beat you in a war yeah something like that I mean whatever that doesn't even offend me it's it's like you're the joke why because of our eating because of the way you guys eat it's just like so embarrassing well it is embarrassing i'm embarrassed by it i probably do it 60 percent of the time if not more i've got you trained pretty well (laughs) but you know i think you you were looking for a fight in that theater you were looking for a new englander fight like you would have been so much it's true happier if that you were surrounded by like people who were secretly on welfare buying like $8 IPAs and talking about how they were going to go skiing tomorrow. It's true. I would have loved to hear that overhear that conversation and drinking a beer isn't really loud. Right. Until. Yeah. I mean, but you had like you are until you shit yourself in the middle of the movie because you had too many beers. You're just such a regionalist. You're such a racist. Oh, you are too. About region. Yeah, so, you're right. So I am a regionalist. looking for a reason. Like, if you were a cop who was, like, going around in the mo- New England movie theater and you, like, just – you would pull over anyone with a bag of popcorn, let alone who was eating it too loud. You would just, like – it's like it's like being a black guy with a taillight out. It's like you pull them over, pull them out of the car, and see if they've got any weed on them. You know, that's what you do to a 65-year-old. Yummy popcorn. All right. Meanwhile, I'm using the restroom upstairs, and this theater is like the equivalent of an angry, eccentric person who gets to have their way because they have something that other people need, and they can't, um, they don't need to, you know, join society and and act like a normal person because they can just do whatever they want. So there's three signs in the movie theater that I took pictures of. Okay, on the way in, there's a sign. It says Sausage Party, which is maybe what we need to go see next, which is the Seth Rogen joint. Uh, It's sort of like an R-rated animated film in the same vein as uh, Team America or one of those movies. Sausage Party is rated R, all caps. No one under the age of 17 will be admitted without a parent or guardian accompanying them during the film. The entire film. Please have your ID ready. All caps. Everything all caps. Wait a minute. So, okay. Oh, my God. God forbid a bunch of 15-year-olds who can watch, like, double anal penetration at home on their brand new iPhone come in (laughs) and see Sausage Party without an unaccompanied 
uh, adult. And also, like, yeah, Landmark, you, like, certainly there aren't enough seats for those people in these theaters. Like, if we let all the 16-year-olds in, how are we going to fit everyone into these movies? Because we're 8% full. I'm annoyed at the fact that I couldn't take my 15-year-old perverted son of the future and be like he's fine to see this and buy him his ticket and like interface with my one-eyed monster (laughs) at the ticket booth why would i have to then go in and watch this movie with him that's disgusting sean mcmanamy's mom god rest god bless her again not god rest her soul don't worry god (laughs) god bless her she oh she's a um she's a very accomplished midwife and has spoken in front of Congress about, you know, the techniques of birthing babies and uh, women's health care rights. I mean, I'm butchering all the terms. She drove us in the silver Durango, me, Sean, I believe Mitch and Noah, although I'll be corrected, to West Leb to see wild things in the theater where Whoa. Denise Richards and Nev Campbell have topless three ways. And where at one, at one scene, I mean, it's still one of the sexiest movies of all time. One scene, they pour champagne all over Denise Richards' naked breasts, and then Matt Dillon, the director, licks it all off. I mean, there's nothing. He's like, I think we're gonna need to do another take. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's we came out, we came out of the movie like we had just seen a dead body. Our like our entire faces <laughs> were blown away by the fact that this could get made, and it was something that we really needed to do. Like Sean's mom was like, they need to see this stuff, or she didn't care. Or she didn't know, and you guys manipulated she, her, which is the most likely. She came in. She bought the tickets. She knew it was R. It was called Wild Things. She gave us the tickets, and she picked us up two and a half hours later. Like, could have anything have been better? So, so good job on Sausage Party, Landmark Theater, Waltham. Like, you're really, you're really protecting our society against evildoers by not letting anyone under 17 go to Sausage Party. And who hangs that sign at their front door? Like, they not, must have had some major issues. Like what kind? What issues do we think happen? So I'm envisioning like guys like a finding Dory type crew of 12 year olds were like, yay, a new animated movie. And then they went into the theater and they were like, oh, my God, that hot dog is fucking that bun. What the fuck? Yeah, but the poster is like a dick. It's like an animated dick hot dog. So I just, I don't know. I, 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 let's change the rules to 14 for this. Like, let's get our 14-year-olds getting with the dick jokes. Like, I want my 15-year-olds, if I'm an uncle and I see my 15-year-old at, like, the family barbecue over Labor Day weekend, I want to make sure I can make dick jokes with them. Otherwise, what are we going to talk about? I mean, oh, what, what are you going to do in school this year? Like, oh, cool, who's your history teacher? The kid will be like, this guy sucks. All right, sign number two in the restroom. This is a good one. All caps. Electric hand dryers. End caps. No, we don't like them either, but they are the most energy efficient and environmentally friendly choice. Choice. Shoot, should I do that again? No. Electric hand dryers. No, we don't like them either but they are the most energy-efficient and environmentally-friendly choice. Thanks, cinema management. 
No one is going in there and being like, oh, my God, I washed my hands and now I have to deal with this fucking hand dryer. Like, I'm, at, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm marching back down to the ticket counter. Where are the paper fucking towels? Yeah, it's just like we don't it's a it's a complete non-issue. You wash your hands, you dry them. I'll dry them on my pants if I have to. Even if I do have 10 seconds of this is annoying, I'm back in my seat looking at the previews 30 seconds later like. Why would you even open it up here? All right, babe. You have to assume that this was predicated by several events that made the cinema management say, I'm tired of answering these fucking questions. I'm marching right down to my word perfect, and I am drafting this note right now. So what I imagine is... What's that made out of? What's that sign made out of? It's plastic. Like, they paid for that oh, sign. Oh, the one made. in the women's bathroom was just on paper. Oh, well, they've paid for that one to be made. How interesting. It's like etched plastic. It's etched plastic etched. with four different kinds of screws, one in each corner, which definitely offends this that's a design four, builder. That's a $40 sign. Okay, so what I'm imagining is one... A bunch of mouth-breathing New Englanders were like, excuse me, but I prefer paper towels. Do you have any paper towels? And they were like, no. And that probably happened a hundred times. The second thing that might have happened is that the proximity of these hand dryers could be disrupting sound in a movie theater. Like, if there are any movie theaters right next to it no you're so no i mean keep going with your theories but you're just so funny it's like this no one they didn't have a board meeting about this it's not like it's like this is someone oversharing i saw the guy i walked out of the bathroom and i saw this guy you should who, have asked him who looked like an extra on the lord of the rings his like tread poly would have exploded dwarf man with long hair and like sort of some go-go boots and, you know, he's a, a classic theater manager type, which is fine. Uh, we want people like that in the world. We're, we're, you know, we love the arts, all of us, right? And we want people from all backgrounds to have a, a job in the world and to make our spaces nice. But he's got, he like, I think he or whoever's in charge are sitting in a room having this like weird, like, don't touch, you know, it's like when you go into a vintage store and it's like, don't touch this, don't do this, we don't do this. The sign up above says we absolutely a 100% do not take credit cards no questions asked because in 1977 and then it like tells the story and it's like what kind of sales technique is this so i mean additionally in the bathroom is a third sign parking if your car is parked in the lot between the cinema and the senior citizen housing like you, I'm supposed to know where that is. You are parked illegally and you will be towed. The municipal lot is the first left after the meeting. I'm sorry. I just I think some people are like, well, that's not, you know, you know, my mom, my sister would be like, you're so angry. Like, that's nice that they tell people. I just think people need to, like, think for themselves. How are people? Not to mention when you pull into whatever lot that is, I'm sure it says on every single spot, you know, this is for senior citizen parking. Violators will be towed. And and so now I'm in the theater. I'm worried about whether hand dryers are worse or better for the environment or I like I'm asking myself whether or not I like hand dryers all of a sudden. I'm asking myself if I parked in the right place. I asked myself, do we park? Where do we park? I don't know. I'm asking myself if I need to go see Sausage Party because it's got something really good. I can't concentrate at the task at hand. I mean, 
I just feel like they're playing this whole thing wrong, and why Mark Cuban doesn't swoop in and get these assholes in order, I just don't know. I mean, doesn't he have time for that? There is a definite, like, I'm very shocked to hear that this is a Mark Cuban joint, given how sort of piecemeal and jank the interior of the theater is and how it's just peppered with posters from 15 years ago of, like, Antonio Banderas independent movies and things like that. It's, It's very... Strange to hear that this is not a one-off. So is there a world where you can own a movie theater that is cool and make money? That's the question you and I don't know the answer to, but that's the problem, right? The problem is that... McMinimins, I feel, makes money. But they make money selling beer and selling that shitty food. So there's a... But they're always packed. Like. But it's $3, well, yeah, that's supply true. Supply and demand, right? I mean, it's like they're, they're and then people spend eighteen on exactly. food and drink, and right, and they're and they're making their own beer, and so the the profit margin is great on that, and their food is disgusting. I mean, they're selling selling food that costs a dollar, and they're getting eight, nine, ten bucks every time, and you have to like leave the theater to go have tater tot diarrhea. All right, so the previews start, and I mean, are you sick of my little quips here? Because I got more. I'm not even getting to the movie yet. I got more stuff to talk about before the movie. Let's 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 do it, babe. What else are we gonna do? The previews. Now that I know this is a Mark Cuban theater, aren't we at a place in the world where, based on everyone's credit card swipe, they can actually target the audience in the theater with the previews that they're playing? You know, all I'm learning about a business school is big data, targeting, marketing, segmentation. You know how they can track us. How you can go into like a luxury store and they see where your eyes go, and so they know, like they have a camera watching everyone, and they figure out where your eyes go, and then they know what to put in a sp- specific place in the store because that's what they'll sell because that's where everyone's eyes are going. Well, we have a bunch of people coming into a theater. Everyone's like postmenopausal except you and I. There's a bunch of people talking about whose grandson is in AP Latin and whether or not they should go to. Cape Ann or Nova Scotia for their vacation next spring. Obviously Cape Ann. And then they're showing us like what was the first the first uh I just felt that the first preview was so out of place. It was The Magnificent 7, which looks awesome. But do you think those people thought that that looked awesome? Well, it is a remake, so perhaps they're playing on nostalgia. And, and they're th- like, oh, that Denzel Washington, I love him. Yeah, old white women love that guy. Um, and then it just feels like what – it's not like they like got sent a film reel with the previews on there. They're just loading up a digital file off a computer. So you could actually have a group of people who you know enough data about that you're only showing the previews that you think are going to be good for that demo – and then you could even get a reaction based on a button on the back of the seat, whether people wanted to see it or not. And then you could even only bring the theater to the theater the movies that people are into. In fact, you get to a world where you're only making the movies that people are into. I feel like Hollywood is sort of there, and that's a major problem with cinema right now. Well, That's I, why we're seeing Ghostbusters 2 and Independence Day 2 and Finding Dory 2. It's like... People love this shit. Let's make another one. All right. Well, all I'm trying to say is it still feels like they're just throwing spitballs against the wall and trying to figure out what sticks when it comes to theaters or excuse me, um, trailers like 
They're ju- they show you trailers in the movies that are going to come to your theater next because they want you to see that movie, but they have no idea whether or not that movie is a good fit for you. Eh. I hear your argument, but I love trailers. Are you a trailers person? Not for terrible movies. like not Even terrible movies. Like I enjoy watching the 90 seconds of sell this movie to me. And I'm often surprised at what movies I come away being like, oh, I would see that. So, yeah, I, I hear your argument, but I also I'm standing on the other side of the line being like, well, I'm glad I saw the Magnificent Seven preview because I'll go see that. That looks cool. All right. There was another movie where I was like... Mark Wahlberg. Oh. Event right. <laughs> Horizon. Right. No. Uh, Talk about Deep Water room. Horizon. Yeah, deep, oh, right, right. Deep, yeah, that's the room syndrome for sure. Yeah. Okay, so this movie is like Mark Wahlberg looking a little waxy. Another Peter Berg joint. And <laughs> Alex made me laugh with the scenario of Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg like getting their prostates massaged together and then going for sushi and then like going to the spa and being like, let's do deep water horizon. Yeah, let's do it. You know? And then they go and they like write the shittiest script of all time. And they're like, Kate Holt, what's that girl's name? That like hot girl from Kate Kate Hudson should be the wife. She's still hot. She's hot enough. Yeah. Let's get her to be the wife. Okay. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's, play music and ride in a helicopter and then it's like the fucking oil rig exploding and like that dikey but awesome lady from lost like should have been in it but they got a knockoff instead and it's just like who wants to watch like a giant machine pump oil into the ocean for 90 minutes there was no mention of the fact that it was like the greatest natural disaster in the last 15 years it was all like the heroes that saved the heroes they're like wait what's that sound and it's like that you know the sound that they use in like all the submarine movies of like creak, and then it's like boom and like the whole thing explodes and you're just like wait so what's gonna be in the movie because we just saw the whole thing explode like are they and it's like it's room syndrome. You're you're in a limited area. Like the thing is going to explode and then it's going to fall into the ocean and then that's it. Like two people are going to die, three are going to live. And also the people watching the trailer to reiterate my point are a bunch of like former conscientious objectors who drove Priuses into the senior citizen parking lot <laughs> are going to get towed now who would definitely buy their kids tickets for sausage party but are sitting there being like there's no fucking way I'm going to see this. I read the New York Times like three-day spread on how you know dick cheney was the one who like convinced everyone to let the drilling permits happen yeah and how like the krill population is forever impacted by this horrible event right you thought the dead zone was bad because of all of the you know nitrogen runoff from iowa farms well wait till you see what the deep water horizon did to it I agree with you. I think, you know, a movie that would do better is just Mark Wahlberg fucking Peter Berg in the ass for an hour and a half. That's a a movie I would go see. That's weird. All right. So we saw Come Hell or High Water. What is that? Hell or High Water. Come Hell or High Water. They're saying on IMDb. Okay. Well, I would have dropped the come, but it's just me. Well, we know that about you. Um, <laughs> Good one. Sex jokes about how, like, what a frigid bitch I am. <laughs> That's such a good one. <laughs> All 
All right, so this movie is starring a bunch of famous people. Oh, it is Hell or High Water. Oh, weird. <laughs> you're, you're right. Oh, my God. Oh, man. It's not going to be so funny after we stop recording. Produced by Peter Berg. No. Sidney Kimmel and some bitch named Julie Yorn. Let's see what else she did. Come on. I'm just kidding now. Um, She bought... She did The Other Woman, We Bought a Zoo. Yikes. Red Riding Hood, Unstoppable. She, she you know, whatever. Those sound awful. She, uh. Is Unstoppable that train one? Curve, Unstoppable. All oh, right. yeah. Unstoppable is with We're Going Someplace Else. I don't care about Julie Korn. Okay. Julie Yorn. Okay. So, um, Hell or High Water. Directed by David McKenzie. Screenplay by Taylor Sheridan. Great, great writing. Uh, produced by Peter Berg, Sidney Kimmel, Julie Yorn. Starring Jeff Bridges. Starring Chris Pine. And starring the guy that everyone loves so much, whose name is... Ben Foster. Ben Foster, who, besides 310 to Yuma, which everyone is like so excited to say that he's in, what else has he been in? I feel like he was in a franchise like sci-fi thing not like a star wars or star trek but something like that warcraft no lone survivor another peterberg joint um yeah this that and the other thing my name is earl six feet under is that what Mm, you mean no but whatever okay the dead zone i mean he was amazing in 310 to yuma he played a very twisted villain, I would say, in the vein of Draco Malfoy. Like, wow. white, like, he was, like, white blonde and, like, steely blue eyes and just, like, a total sadist. And he did that convincingly, for sure. Babe, he's from Boston, Mass. Does that impact how you feel about him at all? <sighs> that means he's going to be in Patriot Day, I bet. Oh, that's true. So the movie's great. It's about two brothers who are bank robbers and the Texas Rangers who um, follow them. And we're not going to spoil the movie this time because we want people like Max to listen to this podcast. But there are some things we can talk about. We've got a very interesting um, voice slash accent slash uh, Affect. speech impediment by... Um, Mr. Bridges. Mr. Bridges that Anna is going to try to do. Well, I know I've been a Texas Ranger for about 30 years now, and I just, I can't believe I'm going to be retiring here soon. That's good. Thanks. Especially like this soon. Now, what did you do? You put your tongue in the bottom of your mouth? What do you do? I just pretended that I had a loose lower denture set. <laughs> um so we've got we've got you've got a two hours of that and one thing we mentioned is we couldn't tell if you if you lined up all the Jeff Bridges scenes, would all of his mouth marbling match up? No. So that was an issue for sure. There were times where Mr. Bridges' beautiful t- sonorous voice just couldn't be couldn't be held down by his marble mouth, um, which I was grateful for those respites, but I do realize that consistency maybe not not the best. 
And then also a great bit part by a woman known as Katie Mixon, who people love her. People people would recognize from uh, Eastbound and Down. Or if you've ever seen Mike and Molly, you should drive your car off the George Washington Bridge. But she was was also in that. Um, She got bigger. She got. Yeah. So she she gained some weight. Now, honey, she was so hot that first season of Eastbound and Down with her big titties. Can you do some like can you do an impress impersonation of him? Of her? Of her. Well, she played April and. She was just as sweet as pie, but she could say some pretty mean things to Kenny. Kenny? But Kenny just loved her so much. It's true. Why did she like Kenny? No, she didn't like him. Kenny liked her. Right. He could. He he like. He convinced her. He convinced her. Because it was Kenny fucking Powers. So here's the thing, without being too misogynistic here, honey, Kenny. <laughs> if you just have like double D, triple D boobs, you, got you look fat to begin with. And then you got to look out, right? Like you is it easier to gain weight? Like you ha- must have a frame that can support some extra weight or something like that. No, I mean, it's like easy to have giant boobs and look fat, even though you're not. So you don't think she was fat up until recently? Well, maybe she was. Okay. You're asking two different things. We're talking about April, and then we're talking about giant boobies. So I think April is a naturally, like, big bone lady. But that doesn't mean that all women with giant boobs are naturally big boned. And I think that it's easier to look big when you have a giant set of tits on you, especially if you're short, because it's like, you just, I mean, think of your mom, frankly. Whoa. I'd rather not. <laughs> she's a very in shape, conscientious person, but she's like short and, you know, looks a certain way. I think that's over the line. Really? I, I, <laughs> you're the first one to bring out my mom's breasts on this podcast. <laughs> Seems appropriate. So, but here's the thing. You're, you're this woman, Katie Mixon. You got cast in... Eastbound and down. You've gotten some bit parts in, you know, whatever drama or little, you know, uh, on um, on air half hour shows like Mike and Molly. She's been in a bunch show. Oh, she's been in one hundred and twenty seven episodes. All right. So she's making some money. She's a main way. main character. So then wouldn't you try to you got to keep your weight down? No, Mike and Molly is about being a big person. So when you get on Mike and Molly, are they like you got to gain twenty five pounds for this? Every. Every week. <laughs> I mean, and did they like target fat people for that show? You mean 80% of America? Couldn't Obama like put a stop to that? Couldn't Obama make an exe- Bloomberg might be able to. An executive order that's like no fat people on TV. This is the kind of stuff that we need him to do with his power. I mean, think of the Dick Van Dyke show and like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore like looking hot as shit and like skinny and like that was something to strive for. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We sound like total fucking elitist. So I, I, re- I redact my last statement. Why? Because who cares? Well, I care if the healthcare pool is going to have to support those people and my money is actually going to end up going towards it. Like it's that you do care if we are now in all we're all in one giant hot air balloon of healthcare 
and you know 80% of the population is technically obese then it's going to be a problem for us the whole thing's going to come down and when you or I like break our leg and need to go to the hospital we'll be fine it's going to be like $500,000 all right um, isn't that how the healthcare system works? Something like that. All right. So Katie Mixon and then Ben Foster went over and then Chris Pine, who really, I only know from, uh, the Star Trek movie, which he was great in. Uh, Is he the lead in that? Yeah. He's Spock uh, or no, uh, he's, what's his name? He's, you know, William Shatner. He's, uh, whatever, whatever. Uh, he's Captain Kirk. Okay. So, um, he's also coming up in some horror. Great eyes. Yeah. Beauty and eyebrows. He's a beautiful boy, right? His neck is a little thick for my liking, but yeah. For all those guys out there who wish they looked like Chris Pine or, or jealous of him, what's wrong with him from a female point of view? His head goes like his head is the same width as his neck. And it's a little weird. Okay. You're like, <laughs> really digging deep for that one. All right, so that's it. I mean, it's this is a great Hollywood movie, right? This is just a fun movie. It's an escapist movie. The world they're living in is not fast the cars, gunfights, intrigue, a really compelling subplot or theme of just economic ruin in West Texas and oil and banks and all of that, but um set against the backdrop of a super compelling outlaw brother story. It's a tale as old as time. And ultimately um, does have some like major lessons to be learned, but it's really just supposed to be like a fun movie to see. And I assume we'll get nominated for a bunch of Oscars, but lose to something that's about like, you know, racial inequity or something like that. Um, and what? Well, no country for old men already got it, right? Well, or no, no, there will be blood one that year. No, that no country for old men won that wow. year. But that really, no country for old men is a much more serious movie. It sets out to be a more serious movie in my eyes than this. Um, it's more twisted and predicated on a psychopath. This is like regular people doing what they think they have to do to get ahead. Um, so that's hell or high water. And I guess to, before we wrap it up, we just got to ask you a couple questions, honey. Like, who would you rather? Who would you rather? Chris Pine or Ben Foster? Chris Pine. Who would you rather? The, the diner waitress that Katie Mixon plays in this or the, uh, school teacher she plays in Eastbound and Down? Which season? Your choice. Season two. She wasn't in season two. Oh. That was when they went to Mexico. Oh, man. Season... La Flama Blanca. <laughs> season three. Um, ah, that's a tough one. I'll go season two, Eastbound and Down. Who would you rather, Jeff Bridges or the guy who plays the like ubiquitous Indian character? Indian character. Really? Definitely. Now, his beautiful skin. Do we think the treatment of him in this movie was racist a little bit? Like they were saying all these racist jokes that w you, we were apparently in on, but at some point it felt like a little bit over the line. Do you feel like that at all? There was some subtle feedback that I felt could have been more overt to the viewers as to how he was internalizing that. 
but I don't want to ruin anything. I think he was okay with it is the ultimate. Like they were they were best friends. So that actor is the guy who everyone has seen. Um, He's amazing. He was in House of Cards. He's been in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He was. What's his name? His name is Gil Birmingham. Of all, oh, he was in Twilight. He's Billy Black. Um, he was, you know, he like could like play Latino or he could play Indian. Indian. And his name is Gil. Birmingham. So he was the guy. We might be having a little bit of a Alfred Molina moment. Who is Alfred Molina? Indian? British. (laughs) (laughs) How old do you think Gil Birmingham is? 57. He's born in 1953. So he is 62, 3. Okay. Sort of nailed it. He's looking good in this picture. So that's it. Hell or High Water uh, with Gil Birmingham, Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, Ben Foster, Katie Mixon. Uh, centered in West Texas. Beautiful landscapes, beautiful cinematography, great writing. Go see it. See it at the theater. Try to go someplace where the place is at least half full. Don't sit in front of any mouth breathers. What other tips do you have? If you are a mouth breather, bring yourself a pudding cup to eat. Just pass on the popcorn disgusting like tapioca yeah just a nice quiet banana to eat or something Uh, (laughs) and uh you know you're gonna hear it it's gonna get all the rage on next time you're watching live with regis and kelly they're definitely gonna be talking about it so you want to be in on that conversation and up next we'll see an action movie any parting shots for the crowd there loose keep it real (laughs) y'all I'm still working on my tagline. Thanks so much for listening to Landline Podcast. Find other episodes of Landline on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and talkforaliving.com. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. Call the Landline for more info at 617-744-1895. VoiceOver by Brian, the professional voiceover artist. You're listening to Landline.